Welcome to the LifePurpose.com podcast. The number one podcast in the entire cosmos for empowering and inspiring you to live your life's purpose. My name is Hema Alman. And I'm Gabriel Sarah. And today's episode is about the life purpose of an empath. It is part of the ascension process of humanity that they are awakening and remembering their soul's plan, that they are awakening and that they are being activated to their soul's agreement on why their souls chose to come here on this planet at this time. And we are assisting humanity and those who are ready to get activated and to get reminded of what that soul's plan is. It is our gift. It is in particularly my gift to know the soul's gifts and talents and purpose and part of their soul's agreement on why they came here on this planet. This is one of my gifts, which I'm now remembering and I'm going to tap into more and more the more I actually am going to be working with people. But I have already discovered that last year, at the 5D camp, for example, but also at the cacao ceremonies, I was just like I can get into other people's consciousness. I can also receive visions and guidance for the person's soul's plan and what they came here to do. We're going to have a lot of star seeds in the community, mainly star seeds, who are anywhere between approximately 20 and 45 years old. Because they're getting activated now, it's like God is saying, hey, starseeds, it's time that you are remembering why you're here on planet Earth. Because you're peace to the big apostle, it's time that you awaken to your calling and what you said you're going to do. Time to wake up. This is just another layer of the spiritual awakening, to awaken to your purpose. At lifepurpose.com, it is our purpose to support, guide, and empower you, the big ones, in living your life's purpose. To receive powerful daily meditations and mentoring for your life's purpose, join our premium membership and claim your seven-day free trial by clicking the link in the description or visit lifepurpose.com directly. And now back to the episode. For whatever reason, I'm recalling a, a story that I watched on YouTube about these two or three brothers that were locked inside of a New York City apartment for a majority of their lives. The story was that their father didn't want them to go outside. And this is somewhere in New York City, and this was recent, probably in the last five years or so. And these kids, they would occupy their days creating or reenacting movie scenes. So their father, first of all, I have no idea why their father did that. Obviously because he was fearful and concerned about them. Yeah, maybe. Someone else could have looked at that as a controlling thing. So their father left these kids videos, movies, and... What they would do is they would watch these movies over and over and over again to the point where they memorize the scripts. 
they knew every single line in the movie. That's how much they watched these movies. And they would reenact these movie scenes. And they would record themselves reenacting these movie scenes. And that was their way of expressing their creativity, but also taking their mind off of the fact that they were locked, basically, or, you know, told not to go outside by their father. It wasn't until one day that the young, the older brother, the oldest of the brothers, he rebelled against the father and then he actually left the apartment and he went for a walk around the block. And obviously they made, they made the news somehow, you know, maybe like they shared their story to a reporter or someone discovered them and they're like, how is it possible that you've been living in this apartment for all these years in this little tiny apartment in the projects in either in Manhattan, I think it's in Manhattan, on the Lower East Side or the Lower West Side or wherever it is. How is that possible? And so obviously they made the news. But when they were retelling their story, I can't help but, I don't know why I thought about this. I don't know why it came to me, but it just came to me just now to say this. They found an outlet for them that could help them get through life by expressing something by being creative in some way. And that's now making me think that, you know, because before we started recording, you said we need to record an episode, the life purpose of an empath. We need to talk about the life purpose of an empath. I don't know if that's anywhere near applicable today. I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about how you're always saying that you want to express your full creativity. You want to do all these creative things. And now I'm thinking about these kids that they found a creative outlet to keep them going. And that's making me wonder now, what if purpose is something that keeps someone going? What if someone is at a stage of their life where like maybe they're very close to giving up on life? Like I've been there several times where I wanted to give up on myself. I wanted to give up on life many, many times. And the thing that kept me going was perhaps an idea in my head like well what if you actually just made it two weeks what if you just decided to go these next two weeks what if you decided to you know work out again what if you decided to go for a walk again what if you decided to start up a creative endeavor like a youtube channel or whatever again and i'm thinking about these kids now and i'm thinking like for most people they probably would have fell into a very big depression and probably tried to kill themselves if they were being locked away in an apartment and never being able to walk and get like fresh air and you're stuck inside of especially especially a new york city project apartment like you've been you've been with me you came with me back in 2019 to the projects what does it mean, the projects? I know that there's a there's a wording behind this. There's an explanation behind this. I can't tell you. Is it like the the poor the poor areas? Yeah, it's 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 the equivalent. I know that there's an actual reason why the name projects exists, but I can't I can't remember why. But the projects is basically yeah, like low income housing basically. So if you are financially poor let's just call it what it is you're low income you make like a little money uh or you're on 
welfare or your own disability or whatever, that's what the projects is for. And you more likely, I wouldn't even think it's like all the people that I've ever met that lived in the projects, they're on government assistance of some sort. So anyway, there's these kids living in these projects, never seeing what's down the street for their entire life, their entire life, not go in New York City. Like New York City, not for nothing, if you have the money, New York City can be a super fun place. It can be a very interesting place. There's so much that's there. If you're poor, it's terrible. It's like one of the worst places to be in the world if you're poor, right? Because there's all this stuff, you can't do anything, and you're literally just working just to have a roof over your head. And so these kids, they don't see Upper West Side. They don't see Upper East Side. They don't see Washington Heights. They don't see Brooklyn. They don't see Yankee Stadium. They don't see Shea Stadium. They don't see the Empire State, Rockefeller Center. They don't see, you know, Lion King on Broadway like you guys have seen. No, these kids are this like little box. Like imagine this is, imagine this is an entire apartment. This area right here is an entire apartment and you have two other brothers or two other siblings and you're living in probably a little piece of this area right here and then you've got the rest of the apartment and you don't go outside. And so these guys, like these kids, like they have to figure out something to occupy their mind. And so they focus their energy on recreating and reenacting movie scenes. And so they would dress up as the characters from these movie scenes and they would reenact these movie scenes. And that kind of makes me really think about how intimately connected purpose and creativity is and expressing yourself and expressing your authenticity and doing something that like I talked about in the last episode with the climate change activists, it may not necessarily be a passion, but it's something that it compels you to take action on. Like I couldn't say for these kids if it was necessarily a passion of theirs to reenact these movie scenes and watch these movies over and over and over again. I would say that the reason why they did that is because obviously they're locked inside of a New York City apartment and they could not go outside. They couldn't do anything else. And so aside from going crazy and, and, and losing their minds from being locked in this apartment all their lives, they found a way to creatively express themselves so that they can keep a level of sanity while they're experiencing life the way that they are. Wow. I resonate with that. I remember years ago and especially in the beginning of my twenties, I was, I was seeking for my purpose and I was at a place where I felt a bit, I felt a little bit lost. It's like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What is the meaning for my life? Where do I choose to be? How do I choose to create my life? What does purpose mean to me? What is the purpose of my life? I've been going, I've been going through finding my own answers for these questions for many years. And there was a point in my life where we were together. We were traveling to, what was that? We were traveling to South America and 
It was at the Lake Titicaca, I still remember that, in that hotel room. And I had this day where I felt, let me collect my mind right now. There was a moment in my life where I was in a hotel room at Lake Titicaca in South America. And I was feeling the pain and the suffering of the collective. At least that's how I perceived it. I felt the pain and the suffering of the world in my heart. And in particular, I felt the dissatisfaction and the misery of people and a large part of the collective not knowing why they are here, not being able to know, not being able to have the clarity on what their purpose is. And I was feeling so much pain and frustration in my heart and in my entire being from myself, but also the environment and the collective, as I was saying. And I was receiving like this massive amount of information from the collective that they are so unhappy and so miserable with their lives because they don't have a sense of purpose. And it was around that time where we were also working with the plant medicine San Pedro. And that was a message that came through for me. And I was crying in that hotel room because, I don't know if you still remember that because you were with me, but I was crunched up in the bed crying what felt like I'm crying my guts out. And I was seeing all these visions and images of people who are going about their lives feeling completely empty, feeling like walking dead, not having any sense of fulfillment, not having any sense of spark in their hearts and in their souls because their life feels meaningless. Day in and day out, their life feels stuck. It's like they're in a rut. They're doing something because that's what somebody else told them to do, or they're doing something because society told them to do, but there's so much emptiness and so much frustration internally because they felt or they feel so disconnected from their true path and their purpose. And that's what I received and that's what I experienced in that hotel room at Lake Titicaca in South America some years ago. And... I'm bringing this up because now looking back at it four or five years later, I was able to turn that pain into what we now have as lifepurpose.com. <laughs> and you know, as we are already so vulnerable on all our podcasts, I come from a family where there is such a thing as mental disease. I come from a family where there is such a thing of wanting to commit suicide and feeling so depressed and actually ending your life. So I have experienced that not for myself, but in my upbringing and with people who are related to me. And I was able to witness what it does to people when they don't have a sense of purpose in their life. I was able to witness not just with those who are related to me by blood, but also with many others, what it is if you don't have, as you were saying, something that keeps you going, 
and I was able to witness how people's lives turned really gray and people wanted to end their lives. People abandoning their families, people ending relationships, people hurting themselves emotionally and physically because they are so disconnected from their purpose. And I, cons I consider myself to be very empathic and very highly sensitive. And combine that with taking some plant medicines at Lake Titicaca, whatever that message was for me from, from the plant, it had something to do with my purpose. And it's like the plant turned up the volume in what it means to feel unfulfilled, in what it means to live without purpose. And I was being gifted the experience to feel that pain so deeply in my heart because God knew I needed that experience so that I can turn that experience into a master creation. I have a question for you. Since we're talking about empaths or empathic type people, obviously, yes or no, you categorize yourself as an empathic person. Yes. Can you give us a one sentence definition of what an empath is? You feel what everyone else feels and you feel what the collective may feel. You feel what the world is going through and you can tune into it at will once you have mastered your gift of being empathic to a certain degree, but obviously, sorry, delete that. You said, give me one definition, right, of what it means to be an empath. So, no, no, you were, you were fine. Yeah, but I also want to be streamlined with answering your questions and not wandering too far off. Okay. So the lead what I just said, I'm going to give you the answer now. To give you a short, straight to the point answer, an empath is someone that feels the emotions and the feelings of their environment and the people around them. And sometimes to, to such an extent where it feels like it's their own emotions and it's their own feelings. So I've, obviously we've been together for well, six years now, I think it is. Coming into the sixth year. Sixth year. And, you know, I can categorize myself as a sensitive person, maybe a highly sensitive person. I think you would categorize yourself as a highly sensitive person and you would categorize yourself as an empath. And I am curious because I have observed you and obviously I may feel the same things that you do feel about taking on other people's pains or emotions or sufferings and being too much in your head. How has that affected you and your the direction that you went into your life? Mm, that's a really good question. And like what I mean is... I know what, what you mean. Okay. I'm just gathering the answer for you. I know the answer. It's just going to formulate into some sentences that make sense for the audience right now. And this is a great answer because it really shows me how, how it did affect my path greatly and what I'm doing now. Because lifepurpose.com is a conscious creation, a conscious business, a conscious uh, global online enterprise for people designed for humanity, designed for the collective. 
and how it has shaped me and the creation of LifePurpose.com and how that's relating to me being highly sensitive and me being an empath is I have been feeling in the last, I mean, from the beginning of my life, I was able to feel a lot. And sometimes um, I would take on the pain, but also the, the good emotions and the good feelings from other people. But especially over the last 10 years, I became very aware of what it really means to be empathic and to be highly sensitive and to use that to my advantage. And because I have been able to feel so much of what is going on collectively on the planet, like if you think about humanity as one family, as one unit, you can tap into that energy of the collective humanity field. So because I have been able to feel and sense what's going on in the collective and for people and what they're going through, it allowed me to create the solutions, at least what I sense could be the solutions for humanity at this time. Does that make sense? Yes. This is one of the greatest gifts of being highly sensitive and being empathic. Yes, sometimes it can feel like a curse because it feels like you, you sometimes carry the burdens of the world and you make other people's problems your own. But that's not how it is designed to be. So you just mentioned that being an empath was actually something very good for you in a sense where it led you to starting, well, we started it together, but it led you to starting LifePurpose.com. Now, obviously, people don't spend time with you like I spend time with you. And they haven't seen you like I have seen you. And I have seen you freaking out sometimes but some people will call overreacting or being very dramatic or like over the top i have seen that from you but i understand that you are expressing or transmuting certain energies talk about the downsides of being an empath talk about like you just talked about the gift and it was here you are at lifepurpose.com you were able to feel people's pain and emotions. You were able to feel certain things that you had just articulated with the San Pedro ceremony at the hotel, like Titicaca in Peru, after we had done the ayahuasca ceremony. Talk us through the downsides, though. Like, what are the negatives to being an empath? If you do not know how to manage and master that gift of being empathic, it can leave you very isolated, very depressed, and very anxious and paranoid. And it can make you feel very stuck in your life, um, in a rut, without ever moving forward and without ever being and knowing what your own energy is. You, because we live together, you had mentioned and complained several times that you want your own space because you want to be in your own energy. What exactly does that mean to you? And how can someone that maybe identifies as well as an empath protect themselves, at least in the meantime, while they're developing the ability to tune out or protect themselves from being influenced by outside energy so that they don't take it on as themselves? 
you need boundaries, emotional boundaries, mental boundaries, physical boundaries, empaths when they're not fully aware of their gift and that there are actually empaths, especially when they're younger, they tend to to want to solve everyone's problems. And they tend to be over-pleasing others and having their nose in other people's businesses and in other people's problems, thinking that they're doing something good by helping other people heal their pain or heal their trauma. But what that actually does in the long term is that you're not having any boundaries anymore and you take on the burdens and the suffering of everyone around you. And that may work out for some time, but at one point it's going to leave you very, very depleted. And at one point, most likely it's going to make you want to be away from people and not see anyone anymore. Not saying that this has to be the case, but this very likely can be the case if you are um, trying to be a people pleaser and help everyone else around you heal their stuff, heal their topics and clear their problems. So you're saying that if someone identifies as an empath and they are exhibiting this pattern that you're just speaking about, like they want to fix other people's problems, they want to take on other people's sufferings and like heal them or something like this and fix them, you're saying that they need to really become aware of having boundaries, mental, physical, spiritual, and set those boundaries up and not be someone's therapist, not be someone's healer because it can leave them drained and depleted, correct? Yes. And a personal big recommendation would be have a physical space that is yours, that only carries your energy, where you can retreat. So anytime you feel it is time for you to go back in, into your own energy and to recharge or to process things, have an environment that you can call your your own. When did you discover that you were an empath? Once I started reading um, books about it and I identified with the term empath. And also there are other terms like the indigo children or the volunteers of the new earth or the, the highly sensitive beings, the empaths. A lot of these characteristics, they match with different names. But I found myself in the descriptions of what books um, would call or define as an empath. In Western society, there's another term for empath. Maybe it is the same term. Maybe it's a completely different term, but they would call an empath an introvert. Do you think that those two words or those two terms are the same, empath and introvert? No. Why? For me personally, I can be very introverted, but I can also be very extroverted. For me, it's about keeping the balance. I've observed you, and from what I have observed, you, your battery, you have a battery. Mm. This is what I, okay. So I've observed you, and I have observed that you have a battery. And when you're out in public, just like me, you can only be in public around people for a certain amount of time and then afterwards you get really drained. Whereas an extrovert, extroverted type of person, they're able to get recharged 
I don't know what that's like. I've only heard that this is what it's like for someone that is more of an extroverted person. But for me, it gets horribly draining to be in a group setting or to be in a public space with people. So, I mean, obviously you identify as an empath. You know, if I had to read a description of an empath, I'm sure that I probably would check a lot of those boxes as well where I can pick up on people's thoughts or like sense tension in the room and et cetera. And it does get very draining. So I know what you're, where you're coming from, especially on the topic of like wanting your own space and having boundaries. But when it comes to being an empath in just a few key words, what would you say are absolute gifts of an empath? Like, I'm sure that there's like a really good thing here for people to be empathic. <laughs> I really have to think about it right now. Well, the main, the main gift of being an empath is you are able to sense what the person next to you needs to feel loved, to feel at peace. And perhaps you can be a contributing factor to being that peace that that person needs without you taking on their pain and their suffering. So you being an empath, it's like you are this sensory station that is able to pick up the energies of an environment, to pick up the energies of a room, to, to pick up the energies of the people around you, to pick up the energies of the collective, the planet. It's on a, it works on a micro level with the person next to you, but it also works on a macro level for you being able to pick up on what the collective of humanity right now is going through. And the gift in that is so that you receive feedback. You receive feedback from the outer world and from others. Okay, where are they? What is the energy like around me? And what do I choose now to emit what vibration, what energy do I choose to now be in resonance to that energy from the outer world so that the energy in the outer world can be balanced again, can be healed again, can be peaceful again. So instead of you taking on the discord that you feel from the outer world, when you master the gift and the positive side of the empath, you become very solid and strong in your own ability to vibrate at a higher level than the energy that you sense in the outer world. And with that, you become a transmuter, transmuting with effortless simplicity the negative energies that you sense in the outer world. But in order for you to, to get to that level where just your own presence is able to transmute lower energies, you need to really become aware that being an empath and sensing everything that you sense is a gift and not a curse. And you have to start using it as a gift and not as a curse. God gave you the gift of being an empath so that you may be able to transmute the discordant energies or the fearful energies from the outer world by you becoming the energy of peace, by you becoming and emitting the energy of harmony of balance and let that radiate out just like a lighthouse and to be that 
balancing energy. Does that make sense? Yes. Next question for you. Do you believe that you have mastered your gifts as an empath? There are so many levels to mastering the gift of an empath. And I believe I still have some levels to go. Okay. You talked about some gifts. Tell us in a very clear, concise way, what sucks about being an empath? I would say it sucks that it is sometimes impossible to switch it off, to switch off the ability that you sense and feel everything. And that sometimes it can feel very overwhelming, especially when you are around a lot of people. So that's definitely a, a factor where you could say that sucks. It's the overwhelm that can come with it, feeling overstimulated by what you sense and what you feel from the outer world. And um, especially when you do not have your own place or your environment where you can retreat and where you can go back into your own energy, that can be a challenge. If someone is an empathic person and they have the gift of being an empath, who could they serve with that gift? Because obviously that's, that's probably part of their purpose. So what could they do with that? What comes to me right away is when you are an empath and you feel and you sense the energies of people, you're probably meant to serve people in one way or another. So your purpose and what you came here to do may very likely involve people in one way or another. So but also there are, there are people who are empathic to animals. And there are also, I mean, the empathic nature does not just go for, for people. When you are empathic and you understand your gift, you can sense into the, the elements. You can sense into what nature is going through. You can communicate with nature, with the earth, with animals. That's all part of being an empath, just at a more expanded level. But in particular, let's, let's narrow it down to people and you are empathic to what people are going through and what they're dealing with. You are more than likely destined to serve people in one way or another or to work with people and um, that can take on many forms being a counselor or a coach or a mentor or a guide of some sort or an advisor or a healer or just a space holder for our young big ones that are listening to this particular episode my life purpose of an empath what according to you your opinion your observation what is the life purpose of an empath, if you had to explain this to an eight-year-old? Mm. Your purpose is to intuitively know and feel what people need and what the world needs to stay in balance, peace, and harmony. And your ability as an empath is to create the solutions that the world and people need to stay in balance and at peace. Because that's how it goes, right? As an empath, the first level is you feel other people's pain. You feel other people's challenging times, what they're going through. But obviously, you also feel the good stuff as well. You feel their joy, you share their, their victory and their happiness. But in terms of you feeling the heavy stuff, that's one stage. But what comes after that? After that, it's going to be up to you what you choose to do with that information. 
And what I mean is when you send something from the outer world or from other people, you're just receiving information from them. Okay, this person is feeling very stressed right now. This, this person is feeling very depleted right now. Or humanity, the collective right now, is like feeling all over the place and chaotic and they're, they're, they're needing something. They're needing a new way of living. They're needing a new way of being. New forms of... Um, new ways of being, new ways of living. And you can sense into what people need. And because you can sense into what people need, you now at the next stage of your gift, you have the choice and the free will to create a solution, which you can then also turn into a business perhaps, or a creation, or a project. So for example, during the lockdown, you as an empathic person, I am sure that you were at one point able to pick up on the collective that they're not happy with uh, their jobs right now. They're seeking for alternative uh, solutions to leave their job and to do something meaningful. And you were also able to pick up that a lot of people are desperate to leave the big cities and are, um, are yearning for a more natural way of living. When you were able to sense that at the first stage of your gift, what is the next stage? The next stage is you can then take that information and ask yourself, okay, can I do something to provide a solution right now? And one of the solutions could be, for example, you could become the creator of alternative living situations. You could become the creator of helping people leave their jobs and do something meaningful like lifepurpose.com. And this is what I mean when I say, and when I describe the two stages of your gift as an empath, you receive the data, you receive the information, what people need. And then, especially when you call yourself a creator, you can then use that information for your advantage and for the advantage of, of people to then create something which meets their need, fill their need meet their need and you can do that perfectly and I believe empaths are like a big big asset for every successful company for every successful conscious business especially when the business is working with people or even with with nature or with animals like if you have an empath on your team you better like invest in that person so that they may master their gift because they can they could be of such great service to you and your, your, your purpose. There was a book that I was reading a while ago about the value of, they didn't call it empaths, but they call it introverts. And the definition is, it's fairly similar. Like there's a lot of like carryovers. So maybe the Western world acknowledges introverts as empaths. I can't say or deny this, but in this book, they were saying that the introvert or the empath in this case is highly valuable because they are so in their head that it makes them very creative it makes them highly creative i wouldn't say that all empaths are too much in their head though have you met a lot of empaths do you meet a lot of people so i don't know like you would have to really meet like quite a bit of empaths to make that claim that they're not all in their head well i would say some of them are like constantly in their feeling world, in their emotional body. Well, they're in themselves to come to some extent. You get what I'm saying? 
regardless. They're in themselves. Like for me, I'm very much in my head and I'm very much, sometimes I've noticed this as a very big flaw where I'm thinking about what are other people thinking about or if I feel tension. Like for example, I've seen you many, many times where you have this like pissed off face and you have like you're breathing a certain way and it feels, I feel it in my chest where it feels very tight. And if, and you feel very repellent, like disgusting to be around. And it's just like, ah, I don't want to be around you. And you're not even saying a word. You're not screaming at me. You're not anything like this. That's the irony. But because I am the empath, I am feeling all of this because I am a sensitive person, not HSP or whatever you want to call me, whatever the label is for people like us, this is what I feel, right? And then I'm picking up the thoughts and then I, obviously before, there's been many times where even before you even open your mouth, I already know what's up with you. And then when you open your mouth, you just validate what already came to me in my head. So anyway, I'm bringing this up because yes, you do have a point with the whole empath slash introvert person where they can be so in their head, this is what the book is saying, they can be so in their head that they are observing a lot. Like this is a common pattern, at least from what the book has said about empaths slash introverts. They're very in their head and they're highly observant. They're highly perceptive and intuitive. So that's a skill because if you think about the empath slash introvert, they may not be the extrovert slash salesperson for a company where they're going out and they're meeting all these people. But a key gift could be, for example, they could be really, really good copywriters. They could be really, really good storytellers. They could be really good at expressing themselves in a written or animated or other form that maybe doesn't have to deal with directly communicating with people. Like for me, I can already feel my mouth in pain. Like a very uncomfortable vibration is coming out of my mouth because I'm talking. And so for me as a highly sensitive person slash introvert slash empath person, for me to talk, it takes a lot of energy. But the gift that I have is that I'm able to very well express myself in other ways and I do notice that I have a lot of creative ideas that I can think of and conjure up. Like I can think of so many ways to monetize a business because I've done this over and over and over again. But if you ask me to speak in front of an audience of 20,000 people, I can do that, but I would be severely drained after some time. In terms of going one-to-one -one and having like a sales talk with some people, I couldn't do that. I would absolutely hate that, right? Because then I would be like in my head too much. And so this is what the book is basically saying, just to piggyback off of what you were saying about some of the, um, the traits of the empath and what the empath could do and where they could contribute, you know? And Which book? I forget the name of the book, but... This also actually reminds me to, and the irony is that it never fully recorded the screenshots that I'm, that I was wanting to read on one of the first podcast episodes about the uh, hikikomori, right? So the people that have banned themselves from society in Japan, 
And I talked about this exactly on episode one, but it didn't properly record because of the, the application that we were using. And the hikikomori is a term in Japan for people that want nothing to do with the outer world. They don't communicate with, with society. And Japanese society has labeled these people hikikomori and the basic idea of these people from Japanese society is that these hikikomori are useless because they don't contribute any value to the outer world, to the Japanese economy. But if you look at these hikikomori people, like I showed you with the video, they're isolated. They prefer isolation because that's where they get the creative juices going. So in terms of these three kids that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode that were locked in their, you know, in the projects in an apartment out of New York City because of their dad, what did they do? They took that isolation, they took that being to themselves, and then they used that in a constructive way as opposed to a destructive way and they were able to reenact these scenes and express a level of creativity for themselves. So I'm bringing this up because obviously it's not a curse to be an empathic slash introverted person. It's just knowing how to deal with it. You get what I'm saying? It's the same thing like with an extrovert. Like I'm sure that there's some good stuff to being an extrovert and I'm sure that there's also not some good stuff to be an extrovert. Like I would imagine like from my side as an introverted person, I don't need people. I can go my life being in the mountains in seclusion and I would be actually very at peace with that. But I know for an extroverted person, they probably would get really depressed by this. They probably would be really, really depressed about this. And so that they would need like a large group of people. They need to probably have like social experiences and like go to the bars and like go to events and be around a large group of people. Like I could only imagine what that was like for extroverts to go through the process of being isolated during the whole lockdown situation that we had like in the last two, three years. For me as an introvert, I was so happy. I didn't have to deal with people. I didn't have to see people. I didn't have to force myself to interact with people. And I was so happy about this. You know, not about necessarily the situation, but about the whole aspect of I can be like there was an excuse for me to be awkward and silent and to be to myself. You get what I'm saying? And for that brief period of time, it was good for me because I could then focus on what I had to do. And so that may be, you know, something to also consider for an empathic slash introverted or highly sensitive person. The downsides that I have noticed is that, you know, you tend to be in your head. You tend to be like, I don't know if it's me, but you consider what other people are thinking too much, right? And you try to people please, like you had said, you want to make the energy in the room as peaceful and calm as possible. So you'll try to do what you can do to like diffuse the situation. Or and compromise yourself. Yeah, and you'll compromise yourself. And be like a chameleon. Yeah, exactly. And you'll put on a mask 
and not actually express yourself, but you'll try to speak in like a soft way or you'll try to like engage in conversation when you don't really want to for the sake of disarming the person and making them feel at peace and that the energy in the room is at peace. I absolutely hate that. And I know that that was a pattern for me. And I know that that was a pattern from you that I've observed. And, you know, like Emma, you were saying, it is okay to set those boundaries. And I would say too, for our big ones, I'm very sure that, you know, not only extroverts, but also introverts are our big ones. They're part of this community. And- It's like the yin and the yang. Yeah, you need both. But for the introverts, that maybe let's say are stuck on like what their purpose is and they have all these ideas in their head just pick one and go for it right at the same time too we also talked about in a previous episode look to what you were doing in the past as a kid like what brought you lots of joy and also start there you know i remember the time where like i said in a previous episode i was watching nickelodeon which is a which is a channel out in the United States that aired like kids content. And I remember this one commercial from like an organization, a nonprofit uh, called the United Way, I think it was, and they were planting trees and I really wanted to do that. And looking back on it, I think to myself, oh, maybe I could have been a climate activist or maybe my life purpose was to start my own agricultural uh, system or something like this. You know, and I've, we've talked about this. I don't want to necessarily interact with people. I want to be out in the mountains and I want to do my own permaculture thing. And I want to live off the land, you know? I don't, if I didn't have to do anything, I wouldn't do anything, right? But I, like I said, I feel this purpose. I feel like this is something I have to do at least this stage of my life. But there will come the time where I head off into the sunset and I amass all the financial resources that I need and I go out and I become a hermit. Yeah. So there will come this time, I'm sure. But for right now, here's where we are. Right. And so this may be the same case, too, for one of our other big ones. They may be in a stage where it's like, OK, well, I know I have to do something. I hate this business, even if it makes me seven figures. I hate this solopreneur thing. I'm tired of doing X, Y and Z or whatever it is. And this is now the opportunity to embrace as opposed to reject who we are. I have one other question for you because I remember there was a time, Hemba, where you were complaining a lot about being sensitive, about being an empath, and you were going through all this, especially as we were taking the plant medicines, the ayahuascas, the San Pedro's. That's when it all really got to the next level. There was this time where you took Cambo, and I remember specifically around this time, you took the frog poison, and you started going like really berserk with your with your energy, and you were like throwing this tantrum, you know, and. I mean, from one side, it's, it was hilarious to see this grown woman, like, you know, stomping her feet and like, et cetera. But at the other time, for an empath, it was also very irritating as well because it was like disturbing my energy. So can you walk us through some ways that you transmute energy as an empathic person? I spend a lot of my time in nature and that helps. That helps a lot to clear out the energies that you have accumulated, you know, as empaths, 
we also tend to be like sponges and we're taking and soaking up energies from others and the environment and being in nature helps to purify yourself and stay grounded and anchored in your own energy. That is probably the biggest um, transmuter of energies and keeping your diet clean, drinking the purest water that you can possibly drink and being very intentional when you when you do meditations or any forms of exercise or breath work to set the intention to clear your energy to purify your energy dance um, and in general moving your body helps to transmute stagnant energies and to clear your energy and i'm assuming you would also say to spend alone time when you can yeah spend alone time and you mentioned a very good point which i so resonate with and i believe that's when the empath can get really angry and grumpy is when we do not have the time alone and you were saying just earlier something about it's in the alone time where your creative juices are getting sparked or something like this you were saying and I so resonate with that because I believe a lot of empaths, they are also, they are thriving um, in their creations when they are by themselves. And a lot of masterpieces can be created. I think when you, when you are an introvert, aka a highly sensitive person, you probably tend to thrive and create masterpieces when you are in your alone time when you really anchored in your own energy and your own creativity without any disturbances and yeah i'd also add as well to what you were saying that an empath can do to transmute whatever those energies are exercise a lot exercise a lot and if you have the ability and the resources to take up like boxing you know if you feel the need to hit things if you get angry that's also a good outlet, right? You can hit a, scream. hit a boxing bag, scream, right? Dance, you know, like we've talked about many times, it's not always, it's not always love and light. You can't always be kumbaya, you know? Maybe, maybe you can if you're like at a really high level of vibration and you have, you know, like your own space and you've got all the things that you could possibly need in your, in your alone time and, you know, but then obviously, you know, are you being of service then if you're not out there? I don't know, that's debatable. You're just a space holder. Maybe, maybe. Maybe some people are just space holders and that's their life. And then if that's the case, then great on them. To our big ones that are listening, what else could you tell them about embracing themselves as an empath, embracing their purpose and stepping into their bigness because maybe this is also something that prevents the empath from stepping into their bigness it is that maybe being here on earth is already draining and then on top of this dealing with people or not even talking to people just being in the energy of people just seeing physically a person can be draining for them but yet they know that they have a purpose here. They know that they're here to, to, because they're the big ones, because they know they have something to do, 
What advice could you share with them about keeping their balance, setting those boundaries, and stepping into their bigness and living their purpose? Everything that I shared on this podcast, you already asked me about what they can do. So I don't want to repeat that again. If you're an empath and you're listening, I invite you to make the switch internally from perhaps you seeing your empathic nature as a curse and to switch that mindset and really start embracing and seeing the positive sides of it and really remembering that it is a superpower. You just have to remember that. And I mean, ways of keeping balance, I already shared that in the podcast earlier with keeping your alone time, spending time in nature, keeping your diet clean, exercising, saying no when you want to say no, um, stop people pleasing and be very um, discerning with knowing what is your own energy and what are the energies from the outer world. And I think there is one last thing though that you have not brought up. And it's the same thing like I was talking about when, you know, you've had times where you would be like throwing these tantrums and you'd be, your energy would be very like repellent. You in those moments would suppress yourself sometimes until it bottled up, until it bottled up. And then you had these micro explosions. Yes. I think the key thing here, especially for an introvert or an empath is to express those feelings and have a creative outlet to express those feelings with. Mm, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So if someone draws and they use drawing as a form of creative expression and then they start to feel discordant energies in themselves, they start to think abnormal thoughts that they wouldn't normally think, they start to feel bad, and drawing maybe a form of creative expression for them. It may be an outlet for them to, to mentally get themselves back into a harmonious state or whether it's dancing or whether it's exercising or boxing or whatever the case is. I think it is important to have that outlet and find the outlet where you can express yourself, but also verbally expressing yourself. So. One of the things for me that I never had growing up was an environment where it was okay to just scream and, and to express myself and to say what I was feeling. It was always like, I was always told to be quiet, to shut up basically. And that severely stifled me and my desire to communicate with people and to communicate with the outer world. And I'm noticing, or I have noticed for you, is that when you have these moments of suppression, where you're su suppressing yourself intentionally for whatever reason, then you have this moment where you just let it all out and you verbalize it. And then afterwards, you're much better. Your energy is much lighter and you look more relaxed and at peace because you have expressed it. So what I would say to our big ones, the empaths, the introverts, even the extroverts, it is very necessary to express yourself. It is very necessary to not hold yourself back. And even as I say this, I now have a vision of a former girlfriend 
where she was constantly suppressing herself. She was constantly holding herself back from what she really wanted to say. And as a result, she developed, I believe that there is a strong correlation here. She developed what's called Hashimoto's, Hashimoto's disease, which is like a hypothyroidism issue. And that's in, in the throat, right? And so she kept saying over and over again that she's just going to keep her mouth shut. She's just going to not express herself. She's going to suppress, hold everything in. And as a result of holding all those things in, bottling up inside how she feels, just so she can keep the quote-unquote peace and not get other people angry or upset, she would suppress herself. And as a result, that made her sick. Always, always express how you feel, no, no matter how the other person takes it. It's not your responsibility how others perceive you. Like, I'm going to say that again. It is not your responsibility how others perceive you. And it is, it is so important to express how you feel. Just by saying, hey, you know, right now being here with you, I, I, feel, I feel a certain way. I feel this. I feel that. And that's you owning your own state. That's owning you owning how you feel. And sometimes that is enough. And how the other person takes that, it's not your, your concern. Oh, I've got an interesting question came to me just now. So obviously the both of us were in a relationship and we can both identify ourselves as these highly sensitive people slash empathic slash introverted people. We need our alone time. Talking to people gets draining after a while, etc. My question is for our big ones who may be in a relationship with another person that is also an empathic, how do you manage, let's say, for example, being in a relationship with me and obviously we're both empathic and how to like, you know, because I'm not necessarily all up in your space. I know that you need your space. You know that I need my space. And we try to keep a certain level of separation so that that way we're not crossing boundaries and we're living as harmoniously and peacefully and in as much balance as possible. Any advice for those people that are in empathic relationships? Yes. Well, I, I would need your input here as well. I believe in the beginning of that relationship, it can be challenging because you being in each other's presence, it's going to perhaps trigger each other constantly, trigger, you know, the stuff that you have suppressed your entire lives. And that is going to be triggered with that other person. And it's going to come to the surface. And for some time, it can look really ugly. <laughs> but it's about embracing it and over and over and over expressing what wants to be expressed so that you can free yourself from that suppression yeah you know many times many many times so many people hold themselves back and suppress themselves years of their lifetime and then when you have the relationship with your significant other and you're just starting your relationship with one another and you both discover that you are both very empathic shit is going to come to the surface on both sides. And it's very important and it's very helpful 
when the both of you can give each other space and the support and use each other's, use your gift to support yourself and one another to transmute all the suppression that you both carried until it is freed, until the energies are freed and purified and liberated. And I mean, from there, that that's going to depend on how you see it because it can be like the best relationship ever because you're both empathic. So you're both on the same line and you both know, like you both carry the same gift. You know what I mean? And you probably also have similar needs. So this is a great advantage, but it also can be challenging. It can be challenging if you're not straight up and direct. And Yes, and it, it is challenging when you are not mastering your gift as an empath because then you're constantly like wanting to people please right. your partner. Then you probably would constantly compromise yourself to keep the peace and um, hold yourself back to keep the peace. And you would constantly, consciously or subconsciously, knowingly or unknowingly, be in the other person's energy because you're concerned about what they're thinking, what they're, how they're perceiving you. And instead of you being with yourself in your own energy, you tend to then just be constantly focused on your partner. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And the other thing that I would also suggest too is that this is the opportunity as well to work on being your most authentic self and expressing yourself and what you need from the very beginning and not putting on a mask and express your needs. And yeah. I will share a story as to what I mean to share the perfect example. It was when we first met and we were traveling and the first destination was Bali. And obviously I went from the United States, sold all my stuff, moved all my personal belongings into one backpack and lived out of that backpack. Haven't looked back since. And I came over to your home country of Austria to be with you, to start that next chapter of my life. And so for the first couple of weeks while we were here in Austria, it seemed like everything was fine. It seemed like everything was okay. And I saw this person, we went to Bali and then one day, all of a sudden, you gave me like the cold shoulder and it seemed like you wanted nothing to do with me. And I was confused as to like what was going on. Then a day or two later, you finally explained to me that you just needed your space. You could have just said that from the beginning, but you had a hard time doing that for whatever reason, because you were still in this mindset of you needed to people please me. You needed to be with me you needed to spend every moment with me and obviously like at that time i had the youtube channel gabriel inspires and you you and your mom wanted me to go to the lake you wanted me to go to the mountains you wanted me, and i couldn't get any work done and now this is not what i wanted i was like okay like i have there's i have to build this youtube channel like i'm not going to be able to build this youtube channel and do all of these things so what did I do? I wound up trying to fit it all in and then compromise the YouTube channel for to spend time with you. And then to find out that you actually didn't want to do that and you were just putting on the mask and you were just trying to make the, uh, the experience as nice for me as possible. It felt very fake. And so, you know, 
after that time, finally in Bali, you finally acknowledged this and you finally said, hey, I need my space. That's all you have to do. And so I'm bringing this up because perhaps in these empathic or introverted relationships, we may have been conditioned to not express what we need. We may have been conditioned to consider other people before ourselves. And that has to change, especially when it comes to the purpose, right? This is obviously getting back to and connecting back to our purpose in life. Why are we here? Why do we have this gift or curse, depending on your state of consciousness, as an empath, as an introvert, as a highly sensitive person? Why are you here? Physical bone, physical flesh manifest with this ability to perceive other people's pain and suffering and then want to do all this healing and etc. Well, you have to be able to assert your will, right? And this is another lesson that we learned out in Bali. We have to be able to assert ourselves. We have to say what we have to say. And if that means we have to say it with anger sometimes, we have to say it with anger sometimes. We can also say it with love, yeah, but when the situation calls for it. And we have to be discerning and know when it is appropriate. But before that, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with who we are. We have to own ourselves. What our needs are. What our needs are. Because think about this, big ones. If you know you're an empath, but you're trying to be like an extrovert, and you're trying to go for jobs, or you're trying to start businesses, or you're trying to do things that are for other people and that's not for you, guess what? You've already missed the purpose of your life. You've already fallen out of integrity, out of alignment with what you're here to do. And I can say this because at this stage of my life, at 34, now I'm gonna be 35 in a couple of months, I have made that mistake over and over and over again. There was no time where someone sat me down and say, hey, Gabriel, look, you are an empath. And that's this is what this means. And this is how you're going to understand yourself. There was no one to tell me this. I had to discover this on my own. I, you know, throughout my own experiences and observing myself and observing how I feel around people and observing how I feel in certain situations. I am not an extrovert. I can deal with people. I can be in social situations. I can even do public speaking. I can, I can be the leader if I have to. But what's going to happen is I'm going to get drained. So I say this because I've made this mistake in my 20s, especially where I would try to go for jobs. I would try to be something I'm not. I would try to put on this mask and try to pretend to be the extrovert, try to pretend to be the guy. When I'm not that guy, I was never that guy. That was not who I was here to be. And as a result of trying and playing and pretending to be that guy, trying to be someone else that I'm not, that obviously affected me, that affected my emotions, that affected my state of consciousness, that expect, that affected my confidence in myself, that affected my authenticity. So I became the people pleaser, especially with, you know, the business that I was doing at the time, working for myself as a freelancer, as a solopreneur, you know, and that was another mass too. That was another thing that I was trying to be. I was always trying to be an entrepreneur when I am not an entrepreneur. I am a solopreneur. I am not an entrepreneur. I have no desire to hire a team of people. I have no desire to be the face of a thing. I have no desire for any of this. 
We have to be in alignment with ourselves. We have to be in authentic integrity with ourselves. Because if you create this idea in your head that you want to go for something and you're not that, you are not then living in full alignment with your purpose. And Hema, just like you said, some of us are here to do certain things, okay? That may be the purpose of why we're here. Some of us may not resonate with ever having a job. Some of us may not ever resonate with having a business. Some of us may not ever resonate with doing anything. Maybe there's some introverts here, like literally, that their purpose in life, their soul life purpose, the reason for their existence is that they are here to be space holders. I am absolutely 100% certain that there are people like this, where, like the hikikomori, Japanese society says that they're useless, that they're, they have no value because they make no contribution to society. But the Japanese society does not recognize that this group of people may not have a purpose in contributing to a monetary economy. Maybe this group of people contributes to the spiritual economy or to the metaphysical economy. Mm. There is a big difference. So whereas, let's say, for example, oh, you are, you're 30 years old and you don't have a job. According to the, the, the society, the, the mainstream of consciousness, that person is, label them a loser, Right. But in the metaphysical property, what if they're doing work with the astral realms? What if they're, work, they're doing work with the divine? What if they are facilitating ayahuasca ceremonies? What if they're just meditating and they're literally holding the space? Is that not valuable? According to modern society or to the mainstream society, that is not perceived as valuable. To literally just sit in silence and do nothing, it is not perceived as valuable. However... I believe in the new earth, that will be highly valuable. It will be highly valuable to be and to be like fully in expressed and embodied as a space holder, right? So getting back to the point of all this is that, yeah, you may be this introvert. You may be this empath. Be honest with yourself. Be authentic with yourself. Be honest and authentic with your relationships. Say what you need. Express yourself. Make sure that you assert your will. If you know that you cannot be around large groups of people at a time, obviously play to your strengths, okay? Like literally, like we have, I'm sure that there is no person on this earth that can do everything exponentially well. That is the master of all things. I don't know if that is actually possible. So obviously if you have a few things that you can do very well and those are your strengths, Stick to those strengths. Don't be something that you're not. And especially for your relationships, do not put on a mask to try to please the other person. This goes the same thing as well with your family, with your friends, with your circle. Do not try to be something you're not. Be who you truly are. Express yourself as the empath that you are. Because from there, once you are honest with yourself, once you're in complete and authentic alignment with yourself, you can then be in complete and authentic alignment with your purpose. And maybe your purpose is to be a space holder. Maybe your purpose is to not contribute to the physical economy, 
to the monetary economy. Maybe your purpose is to contribute to the metaphysical economy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the LifePurpose.com podcast. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone that you know needs to hear this. And until next time on the LifePurpose.com podcast.